What a gift to celebrate with Tom and Kelly and little Dawson today. Uh, It would thrill my spirit if you would email them your love, encouragement, and support. And what a gift it would be to them. We say, Christians say, that in baptism, families redefined no longer by genes and DNA, but now by water and the Word. Uh, So if your sister just had a child, would you email her? If your brother just welcomed home a little one, what would you say? Uh, Let them know. Now, there are other ways, Pillar, that you can step up in mission. Uh, Go to PillarChurch.com. There's a Pillar Responding to COVID-19 link on the website to see a whole host of ways you can participate. Uh, Of course, uh, there's the Give link in the upper right corner of the main page as well to continue to support the mission and ministries of the church. Here we are. This is our sixth Sunday of online worship. And it's the second Sunday in Eastertide. That's a lot to hold in one space. Pandemic and resurrection. Stay safe, stay home, and go tell the good news to the whole creation. Death tolls rising around the world, and he's not here. He's been raised. That's a lot to hold at the same time. I'm calling it resurrection in crisis. So I thought in the midst of all of this holding, we might just simply turn to the words of Jesus. Just listen to his voice. Lean into his heart. With CNN headlines shouting and politicians pointing and the stock market looking like shoots and ladders, let's, let's listen to Jesus. With projections and predictions and questions swirling, let's listen to Jesus. With masks becoming fashion statements and gloves becoming required and six feet apart becoming subconscious, let's stay close to Jesus. Over the next six weeks, we're going to dive into the deep waters of the Sermon on the Mount together, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, at Pillar, we have this practice the Sunday after Easter to listen to the whole thing. We're not going to do that just that way this year, but over the next six weeks, we're going to swim in these glorious waters together. And I have a challenge for you. I'm going to ask you all, each of you, to memorize some portion of the Sermon on the Mount. One verse, one sentence, one paragraph, one section, and I want you to record yourself, video record yourself reciting that section and send it to me, and then I'm going to compile one long video, and when I say I, I don't mean me, I'm going to compile one long video of Pillar reciting the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. And here's the second part of the challenge. I want you to produce something based on the words you've interiorized. A poem. Plant a garden sing a song, write an essay, produce a play, do a project, do something, and then someday, somehow, some way, we're going to turn the gathering space of Pillar into an art gallery. We're going to call it Resurrection in Crisis, Listening to Jesus. That's your challenge. Now the word for today. It's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
It's one of nearly 10 beatitude statements of blessing that Jesus offered to a crowd on a hill near a lake so long ago intended for you here in a dining room, in a living room, in an office space still. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I've been, uh, I get these daily briefings from the New York Times, so I've been reading from the journal of an ER doc in New York. Every day offers a new entry into the journal. This is the one I got yesterday. I've never felt less useful as a doctor. The one thing I can do, what I think will matter most in the end, is just to be a person first. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's how I'd like to organize the next little while together. Uh, Three words, they all begin with P, look at me. Uh, Paradox, participle, and promise. Resurrection in crisis. I want you to notice the paradox. I want you to pay attention to the participle, and I want you to hold on to the promise. The paradox. Blessed are those who mourn. How can that be? They they don't go together, do they? Blessed, look up any concordance, the word you'll get back is happy. Happy are those who mourn. Look up that word, grief, lament, sadness, the deep, deep sadness you experience when you've lost one you love. Happy are the sad? It's a paradox. They're not supposed to go together. It's an oxymoron. It's inconsistent. It's also the way of the gospel. Jesus says, whoever loses their life will save it. It's a paradox. Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's a paradox. Jesus, the crucified one, the one laid in the grave, now resurrected one who rules and reigns over all eternity for all time. And the way to full, whole life in Jesus Christ is the way of dying, the way of giving, the way of serving. It's a paradox. It's the way of the gospel. The way of the kingdom turns upside down the way of the world, the value systems of our day, the priority values of our time. It's paradoxical. This is one of nine Beatitudes. Some of the others, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the persecuted. It's a paradox. Jesus says in a different place, if you want to be with me, Be with the hungry, be with the sick, be with those who have no clothes on their back, be with the incarcerated, then you'll find me. It's the way of the gospel. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the paradox. The one who stood before time with his hands outstretched Shouting, let there be, becomes the one who stretches his hands out again on a cross, saying, it is finished. The one who breathed life into existence in the beginning breathed his last on the cross. The one who heals the suffering of the world went the way of suffering. The one who accomplishes reconciliation in the world is the one who cried out, my God, my God, why? 
It's a paradox. It's the way of salvation. It's the way of the kingdom. And is it too soon to wonder? Is it inappropriate to ask? In the midst of this mourning, this season of mourning and the losses that go with it, is it too soon to look for the blessing? Blessed are those who mourn. That's the way of the kingdom. It's not to dismiss the sadness. It's not to dismiss the fear. It's not to dismiss any concern you carry. But the way of the kingdom is blessing in the sadness. Resurrection out of death, light in the darkness. So keep your eyes open. Keep your heart ready. Keep your spirit attuned. Blessed are those who mourn. It's the paradox. I also want you to pay attention to the participle. The word mourn is actually a participle. Blessed are those who mourn. I may be translated differently. Blessed are the ones mourning. It's not blessed are those who did mourn, that would be past, or those who will mourn, that would be future. I'm sure they'll be blessed too, but it's blessed are those who are mourning now. Blessed are those who are mourning here. Blessed are those who are mourning today. I'm thinking of the senior in high school. Uh, no senioritis for her. Even if she has senioritis, she's in her living room. What's she going to do with it? Prom dress hanging in the closet. No senior all-nighter. No graduation ceremony this year. Blessed are those who are mourning. I'm thinking of the seniors in college. I hopped on a Zoom class with Hope College, Mark DeRue's class on leadership earlier this week. Only one student in the class wasn't a senior. Um, Mark asked me to pray to end our time together. Pray for these seniors. Uh, No spring fling, no rope of hope at the gathering. Instead, 22 million people applying for unemployment. That's their job market. Blessed are those who are mourning. I'm thinking of the parents who are worried about their jobs even as they worry about their kids getting a job. All the while, staying home together is actually quite a strain on their marriage and most of their usual distractions are under quarantine. Blessed are those who are mourning. I'm thinking of the recent hire who lowest on the totem pole who drew the shortest straw and now gets to file for unemployment too, or I guess we call it furlough. Blessed are those who are mourning. I'm thinking about the Pillarite who emailed me this week to let me know that her aging father had died and she didn't get to be with him, even as her adult son was diagnosed with cancer. Blessed are those who are mourning. One of the reasons I wanted us to gather around Matthew 5, verse 4, this week, uh, this week is the one-year anniversary of the death of my dear friend and beloved member of the Pillar community, Steve Dykstra. April 25, Saturday, will be the one-year anniversary of uh, his death, He was diagnosed with ALS on April 12, I think it was 2018. If you knew Steve, you loved him. 
If you didn't know Steve, you would love him. If you didn't love him, that's on you. Smile, huge, welcoming all, a gracious hospitality. He would remember every one of your children's names the first time he met them. He'd let your son ring the church bell before the service, tell him that little one, you belong here. Uh, once he, he made barbecue for our staff and told us later it was squirrel meat. <laughs> uh, he, he, hung a, he hung a bike up in a tree because someone didn't lock it at the church. He was a beautiful human being. And my heart is sad. My heart is heavy. Um, he was diagnosed on January 12, 2018. It took a while, really, to muster the courage to share with the wider pillar community uh, but then one Sunday he did. We stood here together, looked a little different. You all were here. Uh, sanctuary looked different then than it does now. Uh, he stood here and he offered a testimony based on Psalm 23. And on the year anniversary of his death, I, I just want to listen again to just a part of it. This is our beloved Steve. Over the last half year, I've been noticing that my speech is slurred. I haven't been able to say normal words. I went to the doctor who performed some tests, and on January 12, I was diagnosed with ALS. The diagnosis was a huge shock to me. It felt more like a bomb going off in my life than anything else. I can't say I've been angry, and I haven't experienced fear. Mostly, I've just been sad. I've learned a lot about ALS in the last few months, and it makes me sad. I found myself returning to the psalm, Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. He went on to name some of his sadnesses, some of his aches, some of his pains. He also went on to name some of the blessings, the words of encouragement, the prayers, the notes. Blessed are those who are mourning. And then the promise. For they will be comforted. Uh, blessed is an adjective. It's a word that describes a noun, the one's mourning. Mourning is a participle. It's an action word. It's happening right now. Comforted is in the future. They will be comforted. It's a promise. It's hope. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us moving. That's what wake, wakes us up in the morning to knit masks, sew masks together, and to hand out food to food insecure families. Hope keeps us going. Paul says somewhere else, we are not those who grieve without hope. Paul says in, in Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised. The first fruits of those who have died, hope. Or in a different place still, suffering produces endurance, endurance character, character hope, and hope will not disappoint us. Blessed are those who are mourning, for they will be comforted. Hope. Hope. It's the light in the darkness. Hope. 
It's the strength to hold on when you can't hold on, hope. It's being held when you can actually no longer hold on, hope. The word comforted, it's an interesting word. It actually um, maybe could be translated most tediously. uh, Calling one near. Drawing near. Blessed are those who are mourning, for one will come near. That's the gospel, friends. Blessed are those who are mourning, for one will come near. Jesus Christ, the crucified one, now risen one by the Holy Spirit, comes near to you in the sadness, in the ache. The senior in high school, the senior in college, the parents at home, he will come near. That's the promise. That's the hope. That's what keeps us moving. That's what keeps us going. I like these words from a German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann. Faith, wherever it develops into hope, causes not rest but unrest, not patience but impatience. It does not calm the unquiet heart, but is itself this unquiet heart in humanity. Those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world, for the goad of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. That's hope. So make some masks and hand out some food and make a phone call and send a text and write an email to love, encourage, and support. Blessed are those who are mourning, for one will draw near. Uh, Maybe you remember my friend, our friend, Kiri Sundy. Uh, Kiri graduated from Hamilton some time ago. Uh, Then the University of North Carolina, uh, she was at a fellowship in Pennsylvania before returning to West Michigan in 2012. That's about the same time Kristen and me and our family returned uh, to this part of the world. Uh, We actually met in a therapist's office in the waiting room. I was waiting to see my therapist. She was coming out from her hour with the same therapist. That went on for about three weeks until I noticed she also happened to be sitting in like the fourth pew over to my right. We struck up a conversation. We became friends. She came back uh, from her fellowship in Pennsylvania to walk with her dad uh, as he was dying. Her dad, a complicated disease, it had taken its toll on his life and body. She came home to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with him, and we walked with her. Uh, We did the best we could to walk with her. She's actually the one who started the uh, bread baking for communion at Pillar. So every time you come to the table with pillar and you smell the freshly baked bread, I want you to remember, blessed are those who are mourning. Kiri in her grieving, baking, blessing. Uh, She uh, gave testimony uh, to some of her story in the midst of her dad's uh, battle. I'm just going to read a little portion of it for you. We may know that people in other nations, other neighborhoods are suffering, but we don't know their suffering, and we don't know how God is being attentive to them in their pain. So to make claims about God's character on the basis of a distant suffering makes him seem like a distant God. But if we engage God in a personal and present pain, we'll find a personal and present God. Blessed are those who are mourning for one will draw near. That's the promise, friends.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.